Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome back to yet another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Today, our guest is the Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, Michael Kelsey. We've had Michael on before, uh, several months back now, and we wanted to catch up with uh, with him, especially with the legislative session really steaming forward very quickly now. We've already got some bills that have been uh, passed into law, signed by the governor. want to find out uh, those that are of uh, special interest to in the cattle industry from Michael. Also talking about some of the measures they continue to work on. Uh, and also we'll talk about uh, some budget issues within the uh, the state capital activities, the state government. Government, and we want to talk about some national uh, uh, things going on, uh, the mood of the ship, if you want to call it that, as it relates to the mood of cattle producers out in cattle country as well. All that on today's Road to Rural Prosperity. And today we're being brought to you in part by Bank First, good for loyal to Oklahoma and loyal to you. We'll be back with Michael Kelsey with our conversation with the Executive VP of the OCA in just a few moments. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. On this special edition of the Road to Rural Prosperity, we're talking cattle issues, especially some of the things that the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association has been following all session long at the state capitol in Oklahoma City. So, the road stops at the state capitol today. Michael Kelsey, Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association with us. And Michael, we are uh, uh, kind of uh, into that uh, backstretch, heading around the, the final turn and heading now for home when it comes to uh, our uh, 2021 legislative session. Been an interesting session, most certainly, uh, when you th- start talking about uh, the amount of money that apparently is available in the budget process. We'll get to the budget process later. Later, but let's start maybe first of all uh, with some of the bills that have already crossed the finish line and they've been signed by Governor Kevin Stitt. Let's start right there, Michael. Uh, what what uh, bills have uh, crossed the finish line, been signed by the governor that uh, are especially interesting to the cattle business? Okay, a couple of them that are very important. He's actually signed quite a few so far, vetoed a few as well, but uh, signed quite a few. So a couple that are very relevant to us, the Livestock Offender Registry Bill, uh, which was Senator Casey Murdoch and uh, Representative Ed, Eddie Dempsey on the House side, carried this bill for us. Uh, uh, this is a great bill. Cattle theft has just 
just been forever in the cattle industry has been in a kind of an anathema kind of a concept. Anything we can do to increase the penalties for cattle theft, we're interested in. So what the Livestock Offender Registry does is it gives us an opportunity to create a clearinghouse point of information for anyone who's been convicted of cattle theft, then we would have one central point where people could go to and understand, are they dealing with someone who's been convicted of cattle theft? Whether that's a sheriff who may pull somebody over because they're suspicious activity in a trailer or something along that, or maybe it's a private individual who, who's wanting to purchase some cattle from somebody they don't know necessarily, but the cattle look good, and I've never worked with this this person. Who is this? You know, livestock market could also look at a bank could look at it. But the point is, it's a central clearinghouse of public information, information that's already public, but it's in one location. We think this will help us uh, to try to curb cattle theft here in Oklahoma. So we're very, very tickled with that. Governor signed that bill a couple of weeks ago. Another big one that was important to our industry, which we were actually neutral on, but was uh, that cities in the state of Oklahoma now have the authority for ad valorem tax. Uh, that was uh, Senate Bill 838 that passed. Uh, this has been a long, long process. The cities have wanted this for a long time. I can remember back way, oh, man, it's probably been five or six years ago now when they started this process, and the bill was basically just cities get the authority to do it mm-hmm. for police and fire protection primarily. Uh, we worked, and we were opposed at the time, and we worked with them and said, okay, for us to be neutral, you got to do these certain things. And the biggest one was 60% threshold because it needs to – we all know why. 60% for landowners who may not live within the district uh, or the school, if you will. Uh, that's because it's an equivalent to the school bond election, 60%. Uh, but if you don't live within the municipality, but you still have land that could be in the municipality or assets that could be in, the, you need that representation in 60%. Plus, it just makes it equal to schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to hold on to that 60% threshold. We've exempted ag land. We've exempted uh, cattle from personal property tax uh, by the cities as well. And then our friends at Farm Bureau did a great job, including implements of husbandry. Uh, so uh, the bill, is it is it perfect? I don't know that a cattleman would ever be for an ad valorem tax, but uh, it recognized what we needed in order for it uh, for us to stand neutral on the bill. Uh, and, and I think it recognizes that cities are challenged, and we certainly want healthy municipalities. They need funding to do that. And so if we're going to be reasonable, we need to try to find ways and mechanisms for their funding. This gives the people of the city the opportunity to vote. So so that's key as well. This isn't just a, they can pass it by city council election or anything like that. It has to be a vote of the people. Uh, but uh, those those have been a couple of bills that the governor has signed that we've been following very closely. Now, we've got a few that are hopefully going to get to him here in the next week or two that are also very important as well. Okay, let's go, go to those. Yeah, you bet. So a big one for us is uh, dealing, uh, stay in the tax realm for a minute. Uh, sales tax exemption, uh, the ag sales tax exemption is very important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, a, is it is an all on agriculture. We've got a lot of inconsistencies across the renewal and the process to be eligible, both from the Oklahoma Tax Commission as well as at the county assessor level. So one thing we need is some consistency as to what what do I as a producer have to do to qualify in terms of the documents that or the information that I need to provide to the assessor and thus to the tax commission, those types of things. We've gotten a lot of calls from our members that, well, over in this county, they needed this document. Over in this county, they needed a different document. Just a lot of inconsistencies. So we need to standardize that process as well. As well, let's make sure 
that the legitimate producer is legitimately qualified to get it and doesn't have to jump through a whole lot of hoops to prove that. In other words, doesn't have to give away the financial information in order to get that. That's, that's proprietary information. At the same time, though, we want to protect it from fraud. And so we're, we're very much in the process of let's work together to try to do that. So there's a, there's a bill that we're working on. It's not in its final stages. We still need to groom it a little bit, uh, working with our partners, both in the barnyard, if you will, as well as the assessors and the tax commission, of course, the legislature in, in it as well. But staying within the tax realm, there's a big one for us that's very important that we're real excited, very close to getting it to the governor's desk. This deals with livestock as defined by the Constitution being livestock employed in support of the family. I know that's a lot of words to talk about livestock. Basically, what it says is, is that in the state of Oklahoma, current law is, is if livestock are owned by an individual or two people that are related directly, father, son, husband, wife, etc., those livestock are exempt from personal property tax. If those livestock are owned in some type of business relationship by non-family members, so Ron, if you and I partnered on some cattle on wheat pasture, uh, if you will, which happens a lot in the state of Oklahoma, technically that partnership is non-family, so those cattle are susceptible to an ad valorem, a personal property tax by the county assessor. We don't think that's what the intent of that livestock employed by the support of the family. Uh, that definition is. So uh, we, we worked on this legislation uh, both on the House and on the on the Senate side. Uh, Representative Pfeiffer uh, carried it on the House side. Senator Paxton, with the help of Senator Murdoch, carried it on the, on the Senate side for us. So we had good people that know what agriculture is helping us with this. One of the things that we needed to work on was is we're trying to give tax benefit to individual Oklahomans, family members as well as non-family members that may partner or work together in an LLC or some type of modern business model. Who we don't want to help necessarily is the major uh, publicly traded corporations, those types of folks, if you will. And so we have language in the bill that exempts family members and non-family members, individuals working in those, but not the publicly traded or non-Oklahoma corporations or uh, entities that are made up of non-Oklahomans. So the, the entity must be 50% Oklahoma uh, owned, in other words. And so we're, we're really focusing on Oklahoma. We want to help Oklahoma beef producers, especially smaller ones, who may need to look at these different business models in order to offset their liability or to transfer the asset to the next generation or something along those lines. Very, very important bill for us long term. You can see a lot of beginning farmers and ranchers who may need to partner, if you will, with an established rancher, right. that partnership wouldn't allow their cattle to be tax exempt. In fact, it would put them on the tax rolls. That would just be another uh, regulatory hurdle that they'd have to overcome. So this is a, this is a very positive bill for us. So we're very close to the finish line on this, on, on getting that one done. Um, a lot of other, well, there's some private property issues that we've been working uh, in the barnyard as well, protecting private property, beefing up, no pun intended, if you will, uh, the uh, private property. Uh, the, we have great private property laws here in Oklahoma, and we want to make sure we protect and, and keep those in sync.
With us today is the Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, Michael Kelsey. Michael, uh, we uh, have had the chance, obviously, to talk about several of these bills, uh, more policy-type bills that uh, that are out there, and uh, obviously some across the finish line, some that you're hoping to get uh, uh, across home plate pretty pretty quickly. Uh, using a different uh, sport, uh, the horse racing sport, we are getting close to the home stretch, and uh, that means that we are uh, now getting into some of the, uh, the budget bills for 2021 and I know I've heard you talk before about uh, the desire to see some additional funds go to the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture when it comes to uh, meat inspectors where, where are we on that absolutely that's been a priority for us the whole session and it really to your point the, the budget session starts to pick up steam after that final bill deadline which we had two weeks ago now we're seeing that we've rounded the corner I love how that, that terminology you've used we've started to see some Jake what are called Jake bills that are being filed those are budget bills that are being filed once you see those bills filed you know that the end is near as far as the session and so the budget's coming so um with on the house and on the senate side both with senator yek and and uh, representative newton who are the appropriate committee chairs for the subcommittee on the appropriations that have authority over the department of agriculture both of them have committed to us to secure additional funding for odaf for five additional meat inspectors we are so excited about that We're blessed that this year the state has a surplus Mm -hmm. so that we can do that. And uh, if, boy, if we can inject that money in and get more state inspectors, that'll be critical. So on the beginning levels, we're in good shape there. We need to carry that through to Chairman Thomas and Chairman Wallace on the House and Senate side, respectively, and then on to the governor. We've gotten commitment and support all through that. But, boy, it's, you, you just got to watch that because, as we know, those budget dealings start to get real intricate and so forth. The other thing I'd mention is when we get to the end of the session as well, we start seeing these executive appointments come up for consideration on the Senate side. So the governor's made appointments. He's made some pretty critical appointments uh, that we're very supportive of on the Wildlife Commission. Jess Kane, who's a past uh, board member and executive committee member of ours. Ron, uh, uh, Ron Justice on the uh, water board. That's a fantastic appointment. I mean, this Ron is just Senator Justice, former Senator Justice is fantastic. So we're following up with those appointments to make sure that we get good people on those executive and, uh, and those agency boards. And, and now's the time to get that done as well. So we're working on that very hard also. Over, overall, you know, when you think about where we are in the session, you know, on, on the money side, most certainly, who would have thunk? Uh, exactly. Back in January, that we'd be in a position where we'd actually talk about any additional spending. Absolutely, it, this session, Ron, has been the weirdest. That's the best word I've got for it. It has just been unusually weird this session, and I think that's a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get back to normal, if you will. A lot of the bills that we had last session uh, expired because of COVID. They weren't able to get through, and so there's some folks who said, "Hey, I prioritize it, but I couldn't get it, so I brought it back this session." So a lot of the I don't know how many times I heard in committee this bill was a victim of COVID last time and so I'm bringing it back you know so we just saw a lot of that and and didn't see as many tours uh, for, I saw a tour of, of a set of fourth graders the other day at the Capitol and was so excited to see that and you know that that seems like something that's little but it's really significant when you stop and think about it mm-hmm. so setting up for us for beef day uh, coming the first part of May here is a big deal to be able to bring a lot of people into the Capitol and highlight our industry uh, that's going to be really exciting as well but you're right this session has been real unusual we've played a lot of offense 
this session and not much defense because we haven't had to, uh, to some degree. We've had to play defense a little bit, but for the most part, we've played offense. And so, and that's been kind of fun to be right honest with you, especially an OSU grad, you know, on football and then we played offense really well. And so, <laughs> uh, Hey, you got to try to have fun when you're at it, but, yeah. but it's been a good session. We look forward to finish strong and be very positive as we move into the interim. And then the next session next year, when hopefully things will even get back to more normality. And, you know, for a beef day, it's almost unimaginable to think, you know, that you wouldn't be able to serve the product. Uh, but but to, just to be able to do that, I know that you're, you are going to be able to do that uh, this coming uh, coming week. That's right. We are. And and that's that seems like, well, what's the big deal? It's a big deal to be able to do that. Uh, one thing that we've done in the past is try to feed the caucuses a good beef lunch once a year. We've been able to do that. We've got a few more that, we're, that we have set left to do. Uh, but that's just, again, another opportunity for us to highlight beef. But it has been a challenge to try to get that done and a lot of hoops to jump through, if you will. And again, whether we can, we can cuss and discuss the, the virus and mask, that's not the point. The point is, if we have an opportunity to highlight our product, we want to do that. And if we have to take a few extra precautions or follow a few extra rules to do that, that's okay. We're going to do that because we have an opportunity to highlight our product. We're just thankful that we have that opportunity uh, that, that this coming week. We're excited about Beef Day. It should be a good, good event. Finally, you know, give, give me kind of a little feel of what you're hearing out in the country right now. What, what, what's the, what's the mood of the ship uh, when it comes to uh, to producers? Uh, you know, we, we've had obviously a pretty tough year that we've kind of just gone through, but uh, it seems like that there are some some positives, uh, even though you know drought is lurking out west of us, and and we've got uh, higher feed grain prices, but yet still I, I'm hearing optimism. Yeah, it is. That's it, it's. I mean, we're getting a mixed bag. It, it's interesting because when you talk to folks, it's not some people are optimistic and some people are positive. It's like when I've talked to members, you get a, a dose of both. Uh, cautious optimism, but yet also concern, maybe is a better word than pessimism, I think, honestly. Um, the market has has been somewhat good, depending upon the type of cattle you had. Uh, could it be better? It always can be better. I mean, we always know that. But uh, but here lately, corn, as you mentioned, sure has started to, to play into the, the, the market as well. And, and, and then just uh, a long term in terms of, of what we're seeing this coming year as far as drought is concerned – all that uh, under the umbrella of incredibly strong beef demand. Uh, I mean, if, if, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, the demand for our product has been phenomenal through all this. It's really kind of hard to put your thumb on why, uh, because we hear negative reports about the economy, people aren't working, etc. And so why is beef demand so strong? A lot of different theories on that, a lot of different ideas on that, but, but we know it is. And so that's a positive. That's a very good positive. At the same time, we've got challenges that we have to move through. Uh, we need to continually work on this, this live cattle marketing cash nego- or live cattle cash negotiated trade. Uh, we, that's still a big priority for our industry that we want to continue to work on. We've seen more over the recent quarter. It's, it has increased. We did trip some triggers in our 75% plan, and so we're going to be working on that OCA-wise to understand what that means as, a, as we move forward. Uh, but nonetheless, we have seen some elevated cash trade. That's been good. Uh, we need more. There's no question we need. We need more packing capacity. There's no question we need. It. So we got to continue to work on that, as well as looking at the transfer of our assets to the next generation. Ron, I think we're really entering a stage here where over the next five to ten years, 
we're going to see a tremendous amount of, of opportunity to transfer those assets, land primarily, uh, but also cattle, resources, water, etc. How we do that is going to be very critical. Uh, and so the big concern that I'm hearing relative to that, as well as some of these others, is Congress, D.C., uh, and the administration. A uh, lot of question about what what exactly is the president saying when he says 30 by 30? What exactly does that mean? Uh, we're still susceptible to a lot of misinformation. We had we saw the other day that, uh, well, President Biden saying only four ounces of beef a year or something like that, or four pounds of beef a year, I'm sorry. He never really said that. Let's, let, I mean, let's be honest. He never really said that. But let's also be honest to know that the climate change agenda uh, as the most liberal piece of it is very anti-animal uh, agriculture. So if we're going to be honest in the whole thing, let's do that and recognize that we've got some challenges ahead of us uh, regarding this administration uh, as well as Congress. And so I'm hearing that from a lot of our, our folks. Uh, but there may be opportunity as well. There may be some trade opportunity that we haven't had in a while. China might be an opportunity for us. Uh, expansion into the European market. Brexit and uh, Britain and the EU signed an agreement here uh, not too long ago. There may be opportunity for us to jump on the coattails and get into the European market a little bit more. So there, there is some optimism, but there's probably a lot of concern as well because there's just a lot of unknowns uh, as to what exactly does he mean when he says whatever whatever he's saying and generally speaking we haven't had good news from from this type of, of philosophy that we're seeing climate change environmentalism and so forth and so a lot of caution and optimism i think what it does though is it emphasizes that our industry we must be vigilant about telling our story we've got to present what we do because what we've told and what we continue to tell is is regarding climate change regarding the environment Agriculture is the solution, not the problem. Right. The beef cattle industry is part of the solution, not the problem uh, that, uh, that, that some may say. So uh, that's the position that we have to continue to exert as well as to show scientifically. And I think we have good data and we have good, good folks to do that. So we'll roll up our sleeves and go to work. Well, thank you, Michael. Michael Kelsey, Executive Vice President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, our guest today on the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon down the road. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network, and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.